spirituality, consciousness, health, and mindset. Welcome to the Ascent Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Chris Hopper. And I'm Dan Harrison. Together, we are all wisdom and knowledge. Hey, what is up everyone? This week on the Ascend podcast, we bring to you another episode of Observing Our Thoughts. And for anyone out there who is new to these episodes of Observing Our Thoughts, basically these conversations are where me and Chris just sit down and observe some of our deepest thoughts that we're currently having and basically just have a laugh and ask questions that we don't know nothing about. So we're going to get straight to this one. And if you would like to support the podcast, and the best way you can do that is through our Patreon page. And Patreon basically just allows you to crowdfund this podcast. And in return, you also get access to rants and other bonus stuff that doesn't quite make it onto the normal podcast feed. And lately we've been doing some in-between traveling conversations when we've been traveling in different places to record these podcasts. And them conversations are also on the Patreon feed. So if you want to become our masters, and make us have to do anything that you say, all you need to do is go to the Send Podcast Patreon page, become a patron, and any amount that you choose, honestly, will be amazing. So anyway, without further ado, another episode of Observing Our Thoughts. Enjoy. Let's do this shit. So another episode of observing our thoughts. Yeah, boom. Yeah, <laughs> certain thoughts. What's been going on up there, brother? <laughs> <laughs> Feels like deja vu these episodes now. It does, eh? Once every two weeks or something. <laughs> <laughs> every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure I've been here before. Yeah, like so every day. <sighs> anyway, something that I thought would be good to talk about is that there was an article we shared on our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And um, basically, it was an article... Which, which the title said, more than half of our body is not human. Mm-hmm. It said that 53% is made up of all kinds of other micro life forms, and human cells only make up 43% of our body's total cell count, and the rest are microscopic colonists. Well, So, from that question, interesting talking point. So, if that is the case, and this is from a, this article, which you've seen as well, is from a very sort of. It's in it's in a place where it had to, it's definitely had to be um, went through a lot of tests to be put there. Mm. If this if it's conversation if it is true, mm-hmm. then the question that I'm asking myself is, what makes us who we are? Because if we have that much bacteria in our body, yeah, now bacteria is corner that article, and I've seen other studies that say that as well, is leaning towards that. Yeah, well, kind then of. Who runs this meat suit? <laughs> yeah, who runs the show? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. It makes me think as well. Does these individual microbiomes? Do they have their own? I wouldn't say conscious thoughts, but do they have their own like direction? I direction where they are agenda what they want to do with this body. That's what I was saying. Which is actually running your like day to day life. I mean, are they feeling like 
your inner workings of like who you are like your desires your your mindsets your your positive and negative like emotions are they controlling your whole emotional energy i mean this is that is the the bread and butter of the, all all i mean the power that these microbiomes i mean they must have a a magnificent input on the body i mean good um they say we have two minds like our, three minds sorry uh, three minds yeah in one of our minds is our gut the gut micro um the gut biome yeah they yeah. are all indicators of our health they control the show just as much as the brain yeah they say the gut the heart and the brain itself yeah it's fascinating man isn't it the brain, what do you think, the, brain the head what do you think so i was thinking it's definitely possible because just even just think about this the day the day struggles that you have in your life when it comes to nutrition like eating food mm. and you know how you have these constant battles when you go to the fridge and you yes head saying eat this your, your head saying eat this mm-hmm. but imagine if you get into a position where you're constantly you are getting these into this sort of bad habit where you're eating bad food yeah <laughs> what if that i know that well <laughs> what if them, um what if the good the good bacteria within there starts getting lazy and it starts becoming reliant on the quick sugars and quick fix and just as like you have lazy humans you have lazy bacteria <laughs> so the bacteria starts becoming lazy and starts thinking like you have bacteria who's who's sitting on the couch inside your gut, yeah. and you have all inside your body, not just your gut. This is this is a whole, your whole body. This, and it starts craving um, a bag of crisps. No, so not only you're craving a bag of crisps, the gut bacteria is craving, craving a, ba- a bag of crisps. Mm-hmm. But then what happens is, or just like you with your body, you start feeding your body healthy, nutritious food. Then what happens? The body starts craving more and more of that because it becomes more adaptive to real food and it understands what real food is. You, like you mm. start psychologically understanding what this is doing with your body. What if the the good bacteria is also starting to understand that's what's doing to your body? Well, it's amazing how your body actually responds straight away to um, to live foods, yeah. like um, foods which have been grown organic compared to like pesticides uh, thrown on against them. I mean, when we're eating live foods, our body's responding in a it's natural way but when we're eating dead processed foods which are which has been chemically altered and our bodies yeah. ingesting them we'd be just becoming they're actually killing the, the good biomes and they're just promoting this like this daily destruction in a, inside of us and to combat that our bodies are working overtime producing more and more stress on on each of us to try and just battle off this crap that you've just eaten to process it through to try and find any sort of nutrients out of it whereas a quick easily digestible food just from like steer one ingredient goes into the body the body knows exactly what to do with it and it's just processed the correct functional way yeah I'm asking the question as well what's happening to that back the, the see if we all all the mic- microbes in our body what's happening when you you put like you throw a nuclear bomb in there what I mean by that is antibiotics like so people there's evidence now saying that antibiotics is like a nuclear bomb for your gut biome and it takes like a, I think there's some studies that say it takes a year for that to recover really because not only see if you have something wrong like an infection uh-huh. and you you throw antibiotics in your system it blasts all the, the bad bits out but it also takes away all the good cells so it takes ages for that for your whole um, your biome to sort of not your biome what's the word your whole your whole system basically just to regenerate to, to regenerate well that's interesting. And then, that, I mean. then what about vaccinations? Your vaccination kids from a young age, when they, when these microbes in the kids' bodies are just sl- are starting to develop slowly, mm-hmm. and then you throw some little nuclear bombs into there, <laughs> and what happens that's, then? That's a huge issue. You're gonna have all well, these contradictory forces going all over the place, and then 
if it, it's a case, I mean, we just imagine if say, here, let's put it out there, say that we're we, we're intelligent. So what if this we have fifty three percent of this that's inside of us? What if that's also intelligent? So just like if you we, I give you a certain condition to live in, mm-hmm. you're going to adapt to that condition. You're going to start changing the way you live your life. You're gonna you're gonna see if you're in a cold climate and you're not thriving in a cold climate you're going to move yourself into a hotter climate where you can grow foods and stuff like that yeah. so what happens if these if this gut gets killed off and starts getting attacked they if they what if they start adapting and evolving and mm. it's not in, it might not necessarily be in a good way because when they start adapting and evolving the thing that you're trying to get away with the vaccinations might even be more worse yeah definitely people means. forget about that people yeah people forget about how our bodies are naturally a healing organism that's what our bodies are naturally capable of and and, and if we start playing God what if that changes that it's interesting how we start playing God um, I love that point by the way interesting how we how we're putting our own input into our bodies and trying to like change our eating uh, ch- sorry using a pill um, a quick fix to cover decades worth of destruction of eating terrible food yeah. your body needs more than just um, a pill it needs needs a completely it's like taking your car into the shop. Yeah. You need a completely, you need a new MOT, you might need a new engine, you might need a new brake fluid, just like your body will have to completely have this new influx of beautiful, organic, healthy food, and that'll change its whole concept of life, and it will give you a brand new sense of being. But otherwise as well, I mean, another vaccination thing is a huge topic, and it's very diverse yeah. on our uh, Facebook page. Uh, a lot of people are for it and a lot of people are against it but I'm very in the middle of like a lot with, a lot of things in life I, I stay on the fence so I can see everyone's both sides of every argument Yeah. and when I'm looking right I look at a lot of people who are blind on both sides like there's people who are, will just like blindly reject anything without even looking at the science of like the benefits of vaccinations yeah. but then there's also the people who would just automatically trust that they've that someone's got their best interest at heart instead of a pharmaceutical company that'll be wanting which is more profitable which is reliant on profit so basically what I'm thinking is if we can just sit back look and analyse the situation look at the ingredients what they want to put into you and you can analyse and do the work yourself I mean what is more important taking 20 to 30 minutes to research the ingredients just accepting the narrative or just accepting and just taking um, taking something that might really harm you in the long term yeah who knows man? you know what I said before about playing God as well in, um, in, in we're obviously in relation to this more the human body our human bodies and stuff like that adapting things mm-hmm. we're also doing that within nature and things like that we're trying to play God like we're sort of mix mixing uh, certain species together and things like that we even sort of changing the changing our environment that we live in like what what's going to be the, even the circumstances of that I mean that's I mean I supposedly that's how um, certain because of that's supposedly that's how natural like man-made natural disasters occur because we're trying to change the elements within the earth I mean have you ever heard of the device called HARP uh, is that the weather changing it's device weather changing yes device. I have so supposedly that was a I'm not there's consp- a lot of conspiracies around that but there's a lot actually there's a lot of evidence that's seen just on even smaller scales because they were trying to m- manipulate weather conditions for for the growth of crops and things like that in certain areas which I think could be a good thing because imagine if you could grow crops in say like uh, a less advantaged country mm-hmm. you could, they could grow foods you could make it rain in say Africa 
so they could have more water so then they could grow foods that would be a great thing huge benefit but supposedly because of that conditions doing things like that they're actually trying to play god with the environment and it causes it mixes with the natural cycles and causes some sort of natural disaster yeah that's a really good point actually um i, li- I liked it how you put the positive spin on it where how a lot of third world countries could use that form of technology yeah. to create and sustain um a population through their own through their own being through making their own food because they can rely on their own weather patterns where um, a lot of countries in the middle east would be struggling to actually do such a thing with with their current um, hot climate yeah and if we can actually give them a technology which can um, create or create and develop their own food production then i'm sure that's an um something that we would have to look at and we would push forth well we've got it we're we're a country right now we're in the um we're in a highly strong financially well-backed country so is like a country like america who can enforce these like um these global changes on a great scale but it's still like the technology is like it's not pushing forth into their into their like yeah that's another podcast life. Yeah. yeah that's another podcast why that's the case <laughs> exactly <laughs> man. why why <laughs> <laughs> but before when i was talking about um the micro- microbes in the body mm. i was actually the another one, one, one interesting thing i was thinking of was is see that when we when you walk around and you've had this now i've had this you have this sort of you have this good we call it, everyone calls it a good feeling see like you you go to a certain environment you feel oh this doesn't feel right for me or whatever it is you get a good feeling you change your mind to do this whatever what if that good feeling isn't actually us like controlling the driver's seat of mm-hmm. who we are what if it's the the microbes in our body are like trying to are dictate because what if imagine if there's like sort of a have you ever seen like a pack of um, I mean I remember a pack of bees whatever they have like this hive mind society, uh, hive mind um, understanding don't they where they all operate the same thing ants have a sort of very similar function as well mm-hmm. but I even remember as well where um, who was it again was it Stephen uh, Buhlman what we had in the podcast where we talked about uh, nature and intelligence of nature and he talked about this uh, a relationship between um, who was it again what animal was it i think it was a, some sort of insect anyway had a relationship between the insect and the tree so the tree actually provides the insect with some like a sort of a a sticky liquid that it that's that's its nutrition mm-hmm. and then in return the tree takes away the liquid to somewhere else so that it produces something else and like a, there's like some sort of symbiotic uh, relationship between the insect and the the trees so like they're sort of working together oh, but wow. they have this connection going together so what if like there's some sort of symbiotic relationship between the uh, the the, the biome sorry the microbes in our body and trying to dictate where we're going <laughs> that's interesting man I mean oh wow that's a deep or deep even thought. let's even go deeper what if the microbes have a, a like a, a, a symbiotic relationship with our consciousness that we don't understand because yeah. I have too much to worry about but this like this symbiotic relationship that's going on within our body it's like it's just going on within the back burner like like you don't, we don't we don't process in our mind how our heart and our lungs work they just work mm-hmm. you don't think about it you don't like go in your mind and think how my heart's pumping blood around it yeah. just happens it's just a process that happens what if like that micro, uh, microbes in the consciousness in our body is just a process that they've got this connection going together where the, the consciousness looks after the microbes and the microbes look after the consciousness oh, wow. it says go right go left <laughs> I love that. Then every now and again, you get these little dickhead microbes who are like saying, "Go over here. It's nice over here." <laughs> <laughs> Look at that bag of crisps. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's an interesting point as well. I mean, again, that goes into that. It makes it makes me think like, are uh, each and every single biome in our body does that have its own? Um, like I said before, gender, and 
if it goes into that process there, it goes into its all that would give it its own conscious thought. So it, you'll have its when its own thinking. That biome's thinking pattern would be to for its own benefit. So that's like you said before, if it's um, if it's someone who's been like physically inept, um, physically inept for so long, and they've only been feeding on terrible foods, that microbiome will have altered to succumb to that. So that will then just be trying to st- keep at that level. I think this is this is way out there. That is, <laughs> yeah, it is. But I'm just thinking. Um, obviously, your biomes will have to adapt to your lifestyle. So, and it'll not want change. I think there'll be certain that will. There'll be certain. There'll be like there'll be like sort of healthy ones that do want to change, and there'll be ones that don't want to change. I think fundamentally, it just wants <laughs> to survive. I think fundamentally, yeah. all like the human evolution back um, backbone is survival. So who knows? Or what if there's what if there's microbes who want to within our bodies that want to thrive? That's why we have this like we talk we see this on the podcast is this good wolf and the bad wolf on the head. Mm. What if there is like sort of good microbes and bad microbes and they're just sort of they're having this battle between each other? I think that's a, a big possibility. That like that within si- like inside the microbes is like two there's like vegans and then there's there's meat eaters <laughs> and like say no we want to eat meat no we want to eat um <laughs> uh, that's why you have these contradictory thoughts were, in your head should we be eating meat should we not be eating meat <laughs> who was it who said um. I think I think it's actually in the one of the books I'm reading, and it might have been. It says your body's like a parliament, and got the, everyone's got a seat. Yeah. All these different biomes, and they all like work for different parties, and yeah. they're all and they're all pushing forth their own agendas and stuff like that. <laughs> so it's like, yep, today we vote for eating meat, yeah. and yeah, they, all yeah. put, they all put their hands up <laughs> and that, and then but then there's another party which goes, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> have like a voting system we're vegetarian today and they all put their hand up and so your thoughts alter to which way these different parliamentary setups are it's interesting I think that's um, I think that was David Engelman's The Brain who, it? who it's the, interesting who imagine analysing your life from the perspective of like are you making the decisions like so all like if you think about all the decisions that you do in your life so like all the so like later on today I'm going to go and, I'm going to go and train and like is it me actually want to train or is it the sort of the the microbes in my body saying no we need we need this sort of uh, we need this chemical release that when you train and when you start moving your body it gets released into us so that we can have a party tonight it's I like sort of ecstasy for ecstasy or um or like ayahuasca for your uh, <laughs> microbes <laughs> I, 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 I might I think uh, I don't think that is your biomes actually I think that is your brain um I think that's been your microbes that's been your um habitual cortex so you're you're actually going on to the um the point of living on habit so you know how much um, you train and you're conditioned to train at this time specifically for an intensity that y- you know that you'll do yeah so and it's been a habit for you for so long so it's just an actual habit what if it isn't a habit though <laughs> Aaron what if it's not a habit of you <laughs> it's could, a habit you, of something else could you go the week without training <laughs> I, I could I go a week without training I've gone a week without training could you go two months without training probably not but is, but is that'll that, be your habit bringing you but back but is that me though or is it the microbes because could the microbes within my body go two weeks without training I, <laughs> I don't maybe they can't uh, it's interesting are we <laughs> from this conversation are we giving too much power to these biomes are, are, they, are they just because they might be more human than us sorry they they might make up more of us but how much power does our brain hold over all this so I think our that's, bra- that's the question there I don't know because I think our brain because this book honestly by David Engelman he's fa- um, it's fascinating because it really shows you the power of the brain 
and I'm reading a lot of the book as well about the psychology of the mind and that. So it's not just uh, internally what's affecting us, it's so much externally. Like everything, even the colour of your tops affecting yeah, yeah. me right now. So it's what, what you're bringing in is getting altered up here from my, from my brain. And my brain's bringing the signal all the way through my body and my body's reacting to it. The only thing I can really think of with these biomes is that it's getting nutrition, which can deeply affect it. But to make it think like, does these individual biomes, even though they make up, what, 60... 53%. 53%. Even though they make up 53%, the majority of vote will always be the brain, in yeah. my mind. But when in that book as well, is he referring to the... Is he referring to the brain and the mind is the same thing? Because what I mean by that is because Dean Reardon in his book, obviously he's he's on the the side of like where mainstream because the main with the mainstream argument is that the mind and the brain is the same, mm-hmm. and the mind meaning that it's who you, your true self consciousness. That's the understanding is like the same thing is the brain. So as as in that book, is he referring to the brain as a as like sort of like an organ like the heart, or is he referring to the brain as who you are? Because have he, you asked that? Cause that's interesting. Yeah, he's, uh, he, you know what? He's going through it, right? And he never concretes on it, on anything in the book. He always opens the path to everything. So, and I like that I that approach, and I agree with him, with it, because um, I'm very similar. Because I don't agree, I don't push on something. I, I don't fundamentally hold that's the truth, and that's yeah, yeah. it. I like to think, I like to think of truth as a transparent. So loads of things can go in. And you get to see them all, and you get to analyze whether you think they're the truth. Instead of just this truth being a concrete block, and nothing can go in, and straight away you yeah. have to defend this concrete block, which is. But it's in, it's interesting though how because like, you were talking about the neurological processes there, but like a lot of new emerging evidence now is 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 promoting the fact that the brain is just a filter. Like the brain is the filter for the for the consciousness. So the consciousness mm-hmm. comes through the brain, mm-hmm. and it's n- the neurological p- patterns that. The consciousness filters through. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. But I wonder because if you're doing a, if he's done a book about the brain, I think it's an important question to answer. You could do a book about um, what could you do a book about? You could do a book about the gut, and it would be like missing out the food that goes in the gut. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so that's, you've got to ask the question. I'm just trying to see. It, oh yeah, he mentions the vastness of consciousness, and I think he does fundamentally believe it resides in the brain. He believes it rises in the brain. Mm. Interesting. It's, it's very, it's very interesting. It's very interesting and very in depth. I'm, it's one of these books that I'm going to read like two or three times again, just, just like the art of not giving a fuck. I might, I might need to read that. I might should read that book because, um, so, so like, it, so, it con- so like, sort of, what's the word? It, um, because, because lately, what I've been doing is, can you remember how I said to you, I read the the book The Sapiens, mm-hmm. and um, I said, I said already preempted you didn't I, that I said that book was going to be. Like contradictory to some of the the things that I hold in my mind now of yeah. like the, the new evidence that's emerged in terms of like where we actually came from, like ancient origins and stuff like that. Because I know that sapiens is going to come from a very mainstream mainstream point of view. Which when I said to you, I read that book, and it definitely did come from a mainstream point of yeah. view. But asked, and I was already in the first the first couple of lines of the first page, and straight away the first thing he said was talking about mathematics and how mathematics came from the time of Plato well oh. I already understand that the Egyptians we, we've done podcasts on this now I've read many books on on mm-hmm. the on the ancients the Mayans the, uh, the Egyptians many of it the, the Sumerians and I noticed I know for a fact that they had an understanding of deep mathematics yeah. it screams I mean the pyramids themselves the way they're built screams mathematics so but I still want I said to you I still wanted to read that book because 
I like to expose myself to like contradictory forces mm-hmm. because then it allows you to sort of analyse and then think your theories that you hold in your head that might be wrong and it just keeps you balanced I mean mm. do, you, uh, do you do you think that as well yeah that- I mean I, I, um, when you brought up Sapiens I thought it was again of Graham Hancock's work uh, The Fingerprints of the Gods and I thought like there's so many like con- um, different arguments from, presented from both sides but I think like because we've fundamentally been with like Graham Hancock for so long we sort of like defend a bit of yeah, that yeah, truth because you feel that you're a part of it. We him. feel like well, that's our truth. Uh, it, exactly. It's funny because there's a funny story about my friend, right? Who um, initially, so we know a, a, many years ago when Graham Hancock brought that theory to the table of like seeing this alternative view on history of mm-hmm. where we actually come from and seeing the argument that advanced civilizations were more intelligent than we're led to believe. And one of my friends, um, who you know as well, James, right? He was so fixated in the old modern view of like we weren't intelligent and slaves built the pyramids and stuff like that mm. that Graham, when Graham Hancock was posting stuff and bringing his evidence forward he would be the one who would be on the f- YouTube comments like saying ah sell out sell out <laughs> sell out and stuff like that <laughs> but now and he recognises this but now he would be the one on the other side of the fence who's defending their beliefs so I think it's very interesting how so often who you think you are can shift and turn in many directions and I know in my well, life how many times that I've shifted and turned and stuff like that have you had any examples where you've can you think of any examples in your head where you may have in the past been very sceptical and this is a good question very sceptical and then now you sort of notice that you actually couldn't be any further away from that sceptism you had now oh that's a good question that man um, uh, you know what right because I was so um, I came from a such a deep um, connection to the finance of like financial understanding of this world. Like yeah. I always believe that f- money can equal happiness. And the more I went into like in spirituality, so to say, the more I came to understand the deepness rooted that money has its own frequency, and it can play a major benef- uh, benefactor on your on your mind. Mm-hmm. But fundamentally you have to separate yourself from money because money is a chain it's a chain that will bind you to the AM to this reality and to this reality I mean the game the game the, sl- the slavery trap that we all fall into but when you separate yourself from money you start looking at other alternative ideas and these alternative ideas were the ones that bring prosperity real prosperity not financial prosperity but prosperity of freedom in the mind freedom through um I mean, I actually came to this conclusion today, and this has shown how far I've came from the past to now, that I said to myself, if I don't make a single penny for the rest of my life, would I be happy? And I said yes. And I said yes, fundamentally, and I knew it was the truth. Because, you know, when your whole body aligns with... You feel with it. Yeah, that was the truth, and that, that was a connection I felt. And how about you, Dan? I'm actually, can I say another thing as well? I mean, I, I might have mentioned this once or twice, but I... Completing a 30 day challenge today, and I've never done one before in my life. Well, you said I'm completing it, you didn't say I'm I'm, I'm, like, I'm on the verge to complete You said I'm completing it, yeah. <coughs> like, literally, nothing will stop with this. And I made that decision fundamentally from the start. I said, if I don't do this now, I'll never do it. So, I made that choice in my head to separate it, and I did. I said, if I, if I honestly can't beat any of my demons right now, and they hold it, everything against me, then they won in this reality and they will f- forever win because if I can't complete a 30 day challenge because I failed loads in my time 
What was it, the 30 day challenge again? No more uh, donkey porn. No more donkey porn. <laughs> <laughs> no more foot fetishes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, um, it was three things that really like were binding to us. Um, crisps, uh, potato fries or something they're called, french fries? Yeah. Whatever they call yeah. it. Potato chips. Potato chips. Potato chips, PlayStation, and uh, alcohol. Because I was getting in a habit, a really bad habit, daily with them three mm-hmm. and so straight away I've, I, I realised them and I made the decision and I haven't looked back but even just looking at the point of where that was to now the start to now even 30 days I see my mind changing that. completely focused uh, my time's analysed more my body's feeling more incredible shape than ever my mind's flowing with ideas more and more and I feel connected to this reality a lot more now so even in 30 days my whole life can shift but from the start to now I'd say from it's been the financial change which has been the biggest change in my life it's good that what was the question you were going to ask us again what, uh, what's what been your change what's the change that's like so, so in the past I was sceptical about and then now I've sort of che- uh, I realise I'm on the other side of the fence of mm. I don't know if I answered that correctly but no, that's good. It's of course because I understand what you're saying that you were once you once valued money a lot more than you do now. Like you thought that money was the hold the cards for the game. That's what I got. Yeah, yeah. That's and then now you've changed your understanding. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know that money doesn't rule over who you are as a person. Um, for me, what is one thing I've been? Hmm. Honestly, I really don't know because I would say that I've always been. You've always had open-minded. A little inkling. To something to, to change. I've always been open to change. I, I, I don't think I've ever really been. I don't think I've ever been a person that's. Maybe that can't. But I can't recognise. Maybe if my own cultural minds tr- stopping us from recognising, just thinking that I haven't never had it, never had anything else. But I can't think anything else that I was sceptical of. Have you? Ever, I've always been open-minded. To everything. Have you ever had anything that's really held you back in your mind? Like a di- like a chain or something something. A mental chain like say like I want to be rich and then, like you know I had that I that was one of mine for a long time I, I definitely had that I definitely had many different notions in my life that I've definitely shifted a lot yours was football I think yeah but <sighs> but even still to an extent yeah it hasn't really it's very minor like I say that's very minor but I mean maybe the like you said the money there money aspect I definitely was somebody growing up in a time where we live that time where we live <laughs> time where we live but anyway um, growing up the sort of being indoctrinated in this sort of this lad young lad teenager culture where you want to buy clothes and you want to mm. have a flashy car like I had a flashy car and I realised that wasn't for me and I went through a sort of a, a process of valuing what's really mine but that's not really being sceptical on something because I was I wasn't and I would never really I don't think I was really ever sceptical on that because I just wasn't I wasn't really exposed to that alternative way of life mm. So I wouldn't say there's anything really. I think I've always been cu- curious and willing to change. Have you been? Sc- have you ever been skeptical on spirituality? Nah, you've always had. A, I've uh, always been open-minded because I, I think from a young age I've always knew there's something up with the world. Like mm. I had an experience. I don't know if I've talked about this before, right? I was thinking about this today, but I mean, I had an experience when I was younger where I was, and I remember this like it was yesterday, where I was at me 
Nana and Grandad's house, which is Grandma and Grandad for other people. <laughs> <laughs> Granny? <laughs> Different cultural terms. Um, anyway, and I was outside their house, and I always remember this day. I don't know if I've told you this, don't but know. basically, me nana and granddad my grandma and my granddad same person just using terms again <laughs> it's gonna be like what the hell <laughs> had a, a son that died when he was 15 years old which is obviously a very hard thing for them to go through as well you can lose a 15 year old boy mm-hmm. but i was playing outside in the street and i always remember that i felt that this so there's two things within this i had a, a sense that somebody was watching me out of the window so when I was a young boy, I was um, I might have been eight or nine, I can't remember, I was very young though. I quickly glanced to the window and there was a man standing at the window. Oh wow. And he just started waving like this. So I ran straight upstairs, ran up the stairs, no one there. Not what no one in the room. And my mum and my grandma, my nana, said, What are you run upstairs for? And I said, My granddad's upstairs. They went, No, he's not. It's only three o'clock doesn't finish work till six he's not in the house and the only thing that i can think of is that because me it was and it was his old bedroom as well because it had the same house when he was still alive like still got had the same house the only thing that i can think of is that time was that that was the spirit or whatever you want to call it i don't know i don't i'm not i don't know if it's this i don't even know if it's a ghost i don't know i don't know if i believe in ghosts i don't know if i'm not I, if I, 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 I don't know right. but the only thing that I can think of is that that was some form of whatever of their of their of their son well, of my my uncle. Do you think <laughs> because he looked like he, I thought it was my granddad? I ran up and thought it was my granddad finished from work. Mm-hmm. And supposedly I don't know because I never met him because I wasn't born before he died. But supposedly he was the split double of my granddad. Mm. To put a dampener on your childhood yeah. childhood dream, someone could have sneaked in the back <laughs> room and went, hey. <laughs> <laughs> "Yeah, could that have been a, just um, a criminal?" Yeah, no, I'm sure. <laughs> um, I think as well. I think a child's mind is something it's special. Though, you know, I really do. I think a child can access so many different um, deep connections in this world that I don't that our brain, when it's more fully developed, kind of like shuts a shuts a lot out. Like um, it's interesting the genius test for a child, isn't it? Like how the majority of children um, are genius, the class of geniuses. Yeah. And then it's only through the through through um, the changes in life, the different I- ages, the different indoctrinations in the schools, and um, being told no a lot from your parents. And the like boxes you, that, that you're told to go in this box. And yeah, you start to lose that. The don't sort think of out the box. You start to lose that special special ability that we all have, and. It's an interesting concept, brother. That's an interesting concept. How it's been filtered out. I think it's interesting, though, how... Because... How parents... Obviously, you're going to have this, and many people are going to listen to this, are going to have this understand that certain people, like the younger generation now, are a lot more open-minded, I would say. Mm. And I think probably every generation has always, always said that. But I think there is an evolution of consciousness. There definitely is. I'm not, I know it's woo-wee, but I'm saying it. There's definitely evolution of deeper thinking in the world now like as the generations go the world's constantly changing and evolving into in a, a more free thinking society in my opinion mm. but I think it's interesting how when certain people can be stuck in certain ways that an experience like that can come along and shift your thinking or shift your direction in your life because mm. I would still say that my mom and me my grandmother my nana are st- very sceptical people but however that instance of that 
occurrence they can't they understand that that phenomenon to them couldn't it be anything else it had to be the spirit of their dead son oh, yeah it is a story it's interesting isn't it yeah it is um, when I was a young boy right so sometimes takes in life think experiences because we can you can on a sp- just I know you're gonna I'll let you go back to your story on, but on a spiritual level you can all, we can always like you can knock at the door and sh- you can even show the people the scientific scientific evidence and see here it is this is what it is there's proof of a spiritual world or whatever it is but it's it's actually not probably not only till you have an experience of the spiritual or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm that you change who you are it sometimes takes an experience to change who you are who you who you who you thought you were oh um this this happened to me when i was a, when i was a young boy um and i was probably about five or six something like that i always remember it vividly and um it was just one night i was in bed lying there and I was like in the days of consciousness, unconsciousness, just before you like go to sleep, sort of thing. And then I thought I like, heard a helicopter, and I think, oh, it must be a helicopter outside. And um, and I start like looking for it, you know, and like a child does, because yeah. the helicopter's like, oh my god, a helicopter! <laughs> yeah, Apache. <laughs> and then I was like, I couldn't see anything, but then it started start, like getting louder and louder, and I was like. God, that's, that helicopter's getting loud. I still can't lock outside. I couldn't find it. So I just closed my curtains and I just like try and turn over. But it was getting louder and louder. And it felt like this helicopter had went all the way down to the front of my house. Right? And I was thinking, eh. And all it was was suddenly my room just went bright white. The light was just blinding. Right? And and I just couldn't like move I was like stuck and I was like geez something must be really bad happening outside to, like for the helicopter to be like looking around just outside the house so like I was frightened as a kid so the the next night I for, like, forgot all about it but the next night I heard the helicopter again and the exact same thing happened the next night and I was like it's unbelievable this it's unbelievable so it went down again and this light again beamed into my room and once again just I looked out the window that time there was nothing I was like what the hell is this (laughs) then the next night there was like um, a bright light in my room and I was like getting terrified at this point and then like my front door I'm sorry not the front door um, my bedroom door opened and there was a black figure there no way I'm being serious 100% (laughs) black figure there and I just jumped right in the corner, screamed, couldn't stop screaming. And that was my mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just my mom standing there, but it was all eerily black figure, and it was weird. And then she just like, it's like she just emerged there in the focus, because I've never had a door open like that, and there's just been a black figure there. But so, what was the helicopter sounds though? I don't know. I really don't know. It just was like that, like that. Do just, do I don't know. I thought it was aliens for a while. <laughs> I did. I already did. <laughs> do you do you think you have though? To just convince yourself it's not really. <laughs> but why though? Because it's probably because you, as a child you 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 taught that Is that's it, that's not acceptable. Like I remember, I think if you have you, a dream. If you, you go deep, older, you sort of like you try to um, see it's a childhood like imagination. Yeah. Which is the way I. Which is why I, as soon as I said that to you, that brought back what exactly what I thought why do we do that though because it seems to be that 
if say if a kid has a, a dream and is the, it logical the, the parent just turns around and says it's oh it's just a dream mm. it's just a dream but is it I think I think it's just the logical response isn't it it's like fear to try and keep you together to try and keep you in this like reality because they don't want to make you feel like you're something that will see aliens or you, or you see ghosts they want you to make you think like oh my son doesn't want to see ghosts yeah. or like that oh it's just a dream my son, my son doesn't hate say stuff like that. What if, what if we're more to keep you in the reality? What if we're more deceptible as a young, as a young child, like a young child? Like the, con- the there's theories about the, the the conscious mind is more deceptible as a child's child's mind before it's being molded and shaped by the current reality that's in now. But what if? Because Anthony Peake talked about this. He he has a theory that um who we've had on the podcast Anthony Peake, he talked about how he has a theory. If I get this ro- right, people can look this up to if I'm wrong and shout at us whatever <laughs> but basically his theory is that do you know like people with dementia mm-hmm. I think it's either dementia or Alzheimer's and do you know how like they're sort of they're somebody who's like sort of it, he uses the word in between two worlds like they're unsure of the reality that they're in it's sort of yeah well, I understand do you know that. what I mean it's, they're going through a process and he talks about how that process could be the same process of what a child ha- what happens to a child so when a child's born in the world wherever that child's come from they're their filtering system or operating system whatever is getting used to this reality mm-hmm. so wherever the child's come from before it's like sort of a, a flicker in between two different realities so the the consciousness has taken time to evolve to this whatever this is now this reality and that and he sees the same process for a, a person who's got Alzheimer's or dementia I think he says is that they're preparing to leave the world so their system within their body is starting to uh, change. F- change between the two whatever another oh, transition wow. Wow, that's amazing, so what if it's that? like the transition of a young kid of being born and getting used to the world that we can actually see other realities or whatever it is because mm. there's always kids who have imaginary friends or they see they see certain like an object in the room or the or whatever it's interesting right because when um because there's a lot of truth to that because there's a lot of growth that occurs in a child's mind when it's when it's young and that story there that I told was probably in the height of when my brain was in its like changing period. It's where it's like grow, it's grown into like a different structure. And it's interesting because when I heard um, GSP talk about his encounter with aliens, I was thinking as well about the many times that he's been involved in like UFC fights. And I thought these UFC fights are going to be, um, they could have played a part in his brain, in the, the assault on his brain. Has changed his brain in a t- in a text that maybe he thought he seen aliens, and just like in not uh, in the book as well, the brain. Um, he mentions how physical to- um change in the brain can make you play stories in your mind. And it not can rely can change your um body physically, but it can also change your, like um your whole emotionally. I mean, he says one of the experiments was when he said um. He was ta- I think he was talking about exorcism in the book. I've read like two or three books before then, so mm-hmm. forgive us if I'm wrong. But he's, I think he's talking about exorcism, and he says how a girl with um, who thought she was possessed, it was really a, um, she engaged in a, like a head trauma. But in this head trauma, she actually ended up speaking Spanish, and she'd never been fluent in any other language other than English, and she was completely fluent. Oh no, it was Russian. She was completely fluent in Russian, and she and she had no understanding of Russian. She, there's no Russian in the family. She'd never heard of it. What? How could that be possible? 
June is it is it because that brain ha- already has access to the information such as like the Akashic records so it was tapping in at that moment or is it just the brain in a traumatic state pick picturing out like different um, yeah I, I understand what you mean it's definitely I mean it's definitely a I want to steal, try and stay reminded to the fact of what you see in there it's like sort of I know you said both scenarios but I'm trying to put a bit of I know, I know, I know what you mean because well. I'm definitely open minded to the fact that like you said certain people can have traumatic things in the live or they can have even have head injuries or whatever it is and something can come of that like so like hallucinations to a certain degree mm-hmm. but i still think a lot of the times that the mainstream try to hold that for every accountable action like the native experience we just did a podcast that's due to come out yet about native experiences mm-hmm. and one of the main explanations for na- the native experience is that it's just a hallucin- hallucination of the mind mm. and in another example when you were saying before as well to cut tack the angle before when you were saying about how that girl was le- was learning sp- learn Spanish? Did you yeah, say Russian. It? Russian. Yeah, was- there's there's an example of a a perfectly normal person who didn't have not to her recollection had no traumatic events in her life, had no head injuries, whatever it is, just a normal person in society. Mm-hmm. She went to see a hypnotist, and um, she was an American woman, I think it is, if I'm correct, or English, and she had the hypnotist did the hypnotherapy on her and actually brought brought forward. Um, past life regression in terms of she started sp- in the hypnotherapy session she started speaking German but the German wasn't just a German that was spoken in modern day society now like the it was an oldie worldie German that was only mm. spoke um, hundreds of years ago That's in, old, in old Germany so I think a lot of times I just to put a different spin on it I would definitely want to stay open minded in terms of like it could be some like a phenomenon of the brain or whatever it is mm-hmm. but I still think a lot of times sci- certain scientists mainstream scientists are trying to put things in boxes Instead of just seeing the don't know. Yeah. Here's another story as well. Um, also in the book, he goes to... Um, he, he hears about this orphanage in Romania. And in Romania, this orphanage was very underfunded. And the underfunded means that these like tra- children, like these newborn babies, couldn't get the care that they wanted. So it had like one nurse to every 32 babies. Mm-hmm. So obviously you can't look after each of thirty-two babies. So every cry wasn't answered. The the babies were all fed at like at one structured time, and um, three times a day structured. Everything was structured, ritualized. There was no like play. There was nothing. So these babies were conditioned. And I thought to myself like these babies will come out strong, like so independent, not reliant on anyone. And in between, they did like um when when he got there and some of them were like growing up that they were like becoming like children and these children were completely uneducated in anything but yet um, and when he took three of them he took three of them home uh, he was talking to the taxi driver because the three of them were talking in the back like just like some some language and he went oh what are they speaking what they're saying because he wanted to know what they were saying he went that's not Romanian and he went what is it and he goes it's just gibberish. They'd like created their own language. So the brain doesn't exactly need a traumatic trauma, like a physical trauma. It could be the mental um, response of like being uh, the mental traumatic event has actually created this. That's what I was thinking. But is, um, how do you define trauma? Um, 
like I'm, the, just, I'm just digging because like them them child's needs are not met because then if so what if them guys so if them kids not met what if them two guys in the car also had their needs not met when they were younger and the circumstances wouldn't pick that up in the game exactly uh, it's, it's very interesting concept you know what I mean? um, there's so many more to it like I'm really butchering these by the way but um, there's someone out there who's like you know what I mean though? It's yeah, very yeah I know exactly it's, it's very interesting it is very interesting um, how do they create like their own like gibberish sort of here and like create their own language out of it or well, there's two drunks in the back of the car just going no no they were the three or- <laughs> the three orphan kids <laughs> and he was the um, he was the brain sci- oh, right, scientist right, right. and he was just a taxi driver taking them back to the airport and aye it's I mean it's, in- it's interesting to think about that I understand what you're saying now I realise what you said and um, I mean there's there's cultures around the world who are separated from themselves and they create their own language I mean, I think they would make me good to study how we, how language actually came about, because I think you underestimate your ability to speak and where you ask the question, where did that really come from? Like, there's always has to be a start of something. Yeah. If you had like a tribe of people and they weren't exposed to the modern day world, they would speak their own language. It was like that. Um, them tribal people in um, you know the video I've seen on our Facebook where the tribal oh, yeah. people, yeah. the people Westerners go to. I think this this they was keep in, attacking the island. Uh, I'm sorry, they keep attacking, attacking the boats. The, the, attacking the boats who people come up to it. And they, I think these this tribe must be still must be still there somewhere. I don't know where it was. Where was it again? What part of the world? Oh, man. Congo or something like that. There's a tribe anyway. It's an, off an island somewhere. And basically... It's a Newcastle or something. Yeah. <laughs> off on the tribe somewhere. <laughs> basically, they they have obviously had no contact with the modern world. So when obviously modern day people go to try and take pictures or get close, they sort of yuck, throw spears at them and things like that. But they the scientists were trying to analyse because they heard them speaking and they recorded it and they were they had their own language that no one ever heard of oh, wow. and obviously scientists were trying to sort of de- depict that dialogue and trying to f- see what they mm. were actually doing that's interesting that man it's interesting that. yeah yeah definitely it's, it's the f- whole concept of the brain the body the microbiome it's too much there's so much to us that we're never going to understand it is there but to be honest though when I see something like that that's a, that's a really vague notion for myself to see such a thing because obviously there is so much to, to the body and there's so much to the brain but there's many, also much so much to the, the, the microbiome as well yeah but there's so <laughs> microbes there's, sorry there's um, so many people who's working on individual things so there's so many people working on the brain there's so many people who's working on the biomes there's so many people working on the heart on these 3D technologies so there's so many people working on all these different aspects that maybe I think we're getting closer and closer to find out what this game's all about yeah I would like to see though more people collaborating and collecting thoughts together because I think when sometimes there's a lot of ours is the, right yours yeah, is wrong yeah ours is wrong yeah I would love to see more people coming together and collabing and stuff like mm-hmm. that I agree man I, think I would like to, this is something this is a little sneak preview I would like to try and do that in the future on this podcast in the future I would like us and I know we've already thought about this and played up in our mind with this but I want us in the future to actually have multiple experts from contradictory places so like I would, oh, I would, yeah, like, I have, I would like to have, just have cool a conversation fun. with someone who is a mainstream scientist and then I also have someone who is very spiritually orientated to be honest, contrast and thoughts, both of them have great, an- great yeah, yeah. Both of them bring great insights. Exactly, because it maintains that balance in your mind. It's never like and I said before. It's never to find a, um, a one answer. It's to find um, a transparent truth in which both of them can truths can go into. I each mean, that's, other. that's what I'm trying to do. I, actually, I'm trying to physically. I know I said I would on the podcast in the future have two people there, like one on the other side, one on the other side of the fence. I'm trying to do that in my head, but it's, it's sometimes so hard when. I love I, I love going towards the the mystical and the the woo, hmm. 
There is. Uh, no, I love. I love. I try to maintain a balance. I love a bit of science and a bit of concrete, but uh, that's why I think we do all right in this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Wrap it up. Yeah, I think that's good. Good episode, brother. Peace and love. Boom. Boom. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. I just wanted to say as well, if you feel that you gain value in these conversations and the podcast in general, please consider becoming a patron and just showing us some love and, and support in the podcast. And patron really is the best way that you can support what we're doing here. Any amount that you honestly choose will be a huge help. And me and Chris, as you know, are now traveling to different parts of the country and now bringing you some of the most epic in-person conversations on the planet. And me and Chris actually just drove 16 hours at the weekend to bring you three amazing conversations that will be coming up in the near future on this podcast. And even if we can just get enough money each week to cover our train tickets or petrol each time we travel to different parts of the country to do podcasts, that would be incredible. So if you want to support the podcast, all you need to do is go to the Ascend podcast Patreon page. And also, just to play this podcast out, I'm going to play a motivational speech that was actually recommended by Chris. It's by someone called Spencer Carfcard, and it's called The Questions That We Never Ask. And basically, it's a speech bringing forward that we may have many answers, but do we ask the right questions? So I hope this speech makes you question an aspect of your life and makes you ask the right questions. And we'll catch you next week. Peace. In front of you, you have access to more information than any human in history, but you probably don't care. That curiosity we once had in the world is gone. Why is it the older we get, the less questions we ask. Throughout history, we've always accepted whatever world we were born into, and if anyone tried to question our world, they were ridiculed. It's only years later we look back and ask ourselves, how could anyone accept that world? Today we call ourselves developed, as if we have nothing left to learn. But in a hundred years, when people look back at our generation, will they too ask themselves, how did anyone accept that world? It's no secret our world is full of problems. We rally, we protest, still the problems only seem to grow. And maybe, because they stem from a much larger problem, we fail to see. Why do we search the universe for new life, when we can't even coexist with the life on our own planet? It's as if we expect any life out there to be just like us, as if life can only be human. How is it, in a world with millions of species, we see ourselves as the only one that thinks, feels, or matters? It's a reoccurring theme in our history, the belief that some life is inferior to others. We've always struggled to accept those unlike ourselves. To recognize that because something's different, doesn't mean it should be treated differently. When we look at other life, we say our technology makes us more advanced. Yet all we seem to advance is the destruction of the world surrounding us. You look around and there's little life to be seen. Most animals we know, we've only witnessed on screens. It's funny how we call them animals, but ourselves humans as if we're two different life forms with nothing in common. We see them as beasts and ourselves as people, calling their actions barbaric, yet ours tradition. But while they kill to survive, we kill even as we call ourselves civilized. And we don't just kill, we raise life to be killed. Not because we need to, because we like the taste, the look, the feeling. And when you see life as an object of value, it's hard to see the value in life. Why is it, when some animals are killed, 
it becomes a headline. But when others are murdered, we don't blink an eye. Why are we enraged at the thought of a culture eating dogs, but laugh when another culture refuses to eat cows? Our idea of normal may change depending where you are, but our desire to be normal has always been the same. It's only when the norm changes that we criticize our former ways. Today we live in a nation where it's normal to get cancer, to become obese, to develop heart disease. Clearly there's something wrong with this way of life we call normal, but it's all we've ever known. For as long as we can remember, we've eaten animals. Growing up, we're taught meat gives us protein and makes us strong. Yet so do many foods we don't need to kill for, but we're not told that. We hardly hear about the numerous studies showing the diseases associated with meat, or all the food and land we waste, fattening the animals we eat. When you drink the breast milk of another animal your whole life, it doesn't seem odd. It just seems normal. After all, it's what we've always done. And we don't question tradition. We embrace it. But if we never questioned the traditions of our past, we would never evolve. I'm sick of this politically correct, yet morally fucked world. A world where we're afraid others would be offended by our words, but not that others would be affected by our actions. A world where everybody says they want a solution, but nobody's willing to admit they're the problem. The choices we make travel further than we think, but we choose to ignore the impact they have. There was a time I thought we could change, but as I get older, I find myself asking, even if we could change, do we want to? Perhaps this is simply who we are. From the beginning, we've been unable to coexist with other life on this planet. And no matter how far we've evolved, it's a theme that lives on. If the story of our planet were a film, up to this point, humans would be the villain. And like any great villain, we've always refused to see ourselves as the bad guy. Each generation comes into this world thinking they can make things right, only to be remembered years later for what was wrong. Today we may have more information than any other generation, but what good are answers if we never begin to ask the right questions? None of us chose to be born into this world. None of us chose who we would be. But all of us have the choice to change what we become.